Ellsworth and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Alan Forsyth and you're listening to Half Court Press podcast. Hey friends, I'm Keely Dunn from FH Empires and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast with Teo McLeod. Welcome to a brand new series of the Half Court Press podcast. My name is Teo McLeod and I will be presenting Whistleblowers, which takes a look at the wonderful world of umpiring. We will hear from a variety of match officials who tell us about their experiences within their role. Today we talk to a friend of the show, Suzanne Sinclair Hamill, who amongst other things is a hockey technical official in Scotland. Hello Susie. Hi Taylor, nice to talk to you again. How are you doing? I'm well, I'm as well as I can be, I'm still uh still doing my garden workouts and things like that keeping myself occupied uh with with uh, online nutrition courses and things like that uh so yeah i'm doing okay i'm just looking at it as an extended a very extended school holiday some of you may or may not remember susie from behind the kit bag and um also our coaching specials sort of view from the touchline but um she is also a technical official so, but firstly, can you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, who you are, and what your role is? Yeah, well, um, I, I shan't repeat all, all the background there, because people that have listened to other ones will be bored and numb. Um, I'm a hockey coach, I've been coaching now for 10 years, um, and off my own back for the last uh, four, four, five years. Um, and I coach, I, I'm um, the Midlands Youth District Coordinator for Scottish Hockey, the youth convener at Dunfermline Carnegie Hockey Club um, and also have my own business doing camps and things like that as well as being a tech official which is what we're going to talk about. So what is a technical official? There's there's lots of them that come under the same umbrella um, so I've written down an order here so the officials it's not just the umpires they, they, but they do fall under that, that bracket so first of all you've got an umpire uh, and then you have an umpire's manager who coaches um, the better umpires and then analyzes their performances and sort of provides them with information about the game schedules, doing a big tournament and stuff. And then the other level of a, an official is called an umpire coach and they go out into the clubs and they badge um, umpires to get them out to spread the sport. And then the, the other side of the technical officials, which is where, where I am, um, you start off with a judge um, who works with the higher up technical officials. They're all called, the, the names cross over, so it's a bit complicated. So you've got a judge um, who's responsible for the, the timing of the games. So they're on the, the stop clock that puts the big, big numbers up on the side. Because obviously in hockey, we don't do extra time. We stop the clock when the umpire puts their hands up um, and an extra, uh, uh, puts the, the tee up. Um, we've got to record who scores the goals and, and also any substitutions or cards need to be noted down in the form. And the next level up, you have the TOs, the technical officials um, for the match, and they are in charge of the judges. They check all the facilities and things um, are suitable for playing hockey and they make sure the team sheets have all been filled out um, correctly. So the judges sit in the box and then you've got people 
people that are outside of the box as well. And the TD, the technical director, who will be out the front of the box managing the managers for the teams and the benches and the naughty chairs. And then the final one above that is also called the TD, but that's tournament director. So they're in control of the whole thing. Because obviously when you've got a big, big weekend tournament, you've not just got the one match, you've got three or four and the, the TOs and the judges and the umpires need to be allocated. So somebody needs to then organise that. So that's all the, the list of technical officials that exist. So your role is? I am just a baby at the minute. I'm a judge and I've done a little bit of technical officiating. Great. So, so, so I've been doing it just over a year. So basically you're, you're the scorekeeper. <laughs> kind of no scorekeeper timer and then I do do some of the form work as well yeah so in in terms in terms of cricket I have an idea in cricket you are you are you are the boy in the sheds turning the cars in the corner uh it's more complicated than that mind you cricket scoring is not easy um but essentially yeah we're the people in the shed except we've got a nice little box down on the sideline instead of being miles away you get a much better view of the action because you're right in the middle in between the two um, two subs benches, so you've got either squad on either side of you, um, which is cool because it's constant and you're watching that the subbing is being done correctly and uh, things like that. So you're really in the middle of it, rather than being stuck up in a way in a shed up a ladder <laughs> with no heating. So yeah, I mean, to put this into uh, into perspectives, perhaps. For those of you of us who have been to uh, Scottish Hockey's Glasgow Green. Uh, yeah. There's a is a lovely little plastic and perspex box uh, in the dugouts uh, right in front of where the players come out uh, yeah. in the middle of the near side's touchline. Um, which uh, I think that's it. Always... That's us. That's where we sit in our minds. So so yeah, I, th I think this is similar to I think this is similar to most of uh, most of the international standard pitch layouts that you might see in the pro league and so forth. Yeah, they'll they'll all have boxes, proper boxes, because I mean you just you couldn't do it if you were getting blasted with rain as well, because it's quite quite a high level of concentration and things happen extremely quickly, especially at the beginning of the match, and you can't have your pages flying around and things like that. My main question here at this point of the point of the of the proceedings was what's the difference between an umpire and a technical official? Uh, I think you've kind of gone into this. Yeah, yeah. Well your umpires, you know, the they're out on pitch, they're essentially another part of the team, two separate teams that are working together um, with, with the umpires and the, the TDs and the TOs and, and the judges. Um, they've got their own team, we've got our own team, but we work together, but they'll be hooked into it. They're having their own little game. They're, they're sort of, they're, we've got to watch them, basically. We've got to watch them like an absolute hawk. How much communication is there between uh, the on-field umpires and, and yourselves? Uh, folk in the box, not so much, um, but the, the person who would do that would be the, the TD, the guy out in front. So the person who you might have seen in the black Scottish hockey gear rather than the blue Scottish hockey gear. Um, so there's a slightly different uniform for, for the, the officials. So there's a guy usually walking up and down in between um, the, the two benches. Um, and if he spots anything, he can tell the umpire. But also, we can, as a technical official and, and the, the, the TD, um, if, if a manager's playing up or somebody's playing up on the bench and effing and blind and swearing or whatever, um, we can actually get in touch with the umpire and say, that person needs 
I can't. Now, because that person's on the bench, they, they, we could actually take somebody off the pitch if they're not adhering to the proper rules. If substitution's not been done correctly, um, you know, within, five, within the bench, within five metres of the halfway line, it's very, very strict. If, so, if they keep going on early when the other person's on off, we can then say to the umpire, look, this has happened. We need to do something about it. But that would, that would normally happen when they're in passing if it was necessary but at high level games it's generally not this this sounds awfully like what a fourth official in football might be doing oh, don't ask you about football you thought i know nothing about football <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah sure yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only a... sport i don't do <laughs> even though you live in the same town as the mighty mighty wraith rovers yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, everybody at school followed the, the canaries and all this. Yeah, no, couldn't, couldn't care for it. Not my thing. No. Always been a rugby girl. So in rugby, what's, what's the similar sort of uh, thing in rugby? Is there something like this? Uh, well, I imagine so, because oh, they've only got the one ref and then they've got the line judges and things. That ref is really involved in everything. Um, and I'm sure they'll have a similar situation, but the ref's mic'd up in rugby most of the time. Uh, well, and all the international ones, he's, he's mic'd up and he's in communication with the people that are, that are in the box. So if they spot anything, they can get directly in touch with them. So, I mean, focusing a bit more on, on field hockey, this was meant to be a bit a uh, question for later on, but do you think that hockey umpires should be mic'd up? Yeah, I liked that question. I do, actually. Um, for two reasons, uh, it, it would be great for their own development to have a recording of how they went through it so that their umpire um, coaches and managers could then, yeah, it would help, help with um, their own development that way. But it would also help if there were any queries. Uh, and you can get teams complaining sometimes, saying that was the wrong decision, you know, that, but that short corner led to a goal, blah, blah, and they can put complaints in. And having that recorded evidence to listen to the dialogue would also be useful in those cases, because otherwise it's just he said, she said. I, I remember during the, um, I think it was the Euro Hockey Championships, I was on the uh, iPlayer last summer, there was an incident where a player had had used uh, an expletive, used mm -hmm. a curse word was on the pitch, which, which is, is a thing in the rules. It, I think it's one of the, I think swearing on, on the pitch seems to be one of the most um, ignored rules from within the, 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 uh, the, the, the FIH rule book. Yeah. Um, but because the, 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 the umpires were mic'd up, during the match, and he was very, very close to the, one of the umpires. He said, the guys had to stop and go, look, I've got to card you. I've got to put you, I've got to give you a green. Uh -huh. and, and one of the complaints from um, one of our, our, our friends at the, at the Reverse Dick podcast was, because it was mic'd up, they couldn't deal with that in a, in a, in a grown-up manner. So don't swear, yeah. carry yeah. on, you know, no one would be the wiser. Yeah, um, well, it is, it is in the rules um, at the end of the day. I suppose you have to have some, I don't know if you could give, 
an advantage either way like you could with a foul because if you if you're swearing you are doing it on purpose it is coming out of your mouth whereas you can make a physical mistake like a stick tackle genuinely make a mistake doing that and um and the umpire would be able to see if you'd done that on purpose or not um it's also to keep to keep the level of respect that we have as players for each other and um respect for the umpire so it's um i think hockey probably has one of the nicest most friendly playing atmospheres of um of sports this, this ties into one of our other questions how do you describe the culture uh within hockey towards umpires I'd, I'd say it's very good i'd say it's amongst amongst the best to be honest um from my experience of different sports yeah and um the culture itself within hockey certainly within scottish hockey is very very wholesome and 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 good it's all about the growth of the hockey family and the growth of us all as a country but not just that with the home nations and all all just respecting each other respecting the game respecting respecting the officials respecting the umpires there's a, there's a lot of respect involved I suppose, I suppose this goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of um the the, the player at the hockey championships who, who got accidentally recorded using a curse word. I've heard this, this, this being discussed in a, between, within the football context of, you know, I think it was Rio Ferdinand and perhaps Mark um, and, Yeah, and it's it, within their rule book as well, it's no swearing is allowed, must, you know, goes back to that Edwardian Victorian mindset of being, being pleasant to each other on the pitch. Yeah, and uh, the discussion here between uh, an ex-international English player and a Premier League referee was the refs don't want it either because they're giving it back as well. It's the way they interact with each other on the pitch. Mm -hmm. the, the because times have changed, language has changed. Perhaps, perhaps it ought to be removed. Yeah, and coaches go out telling the players to intimidate the, the refs. They, they do. I've got, I've got a friend who's very, very good at it. <laughs> uh, and they don't, and the coaches don't want laps, and the players don't want that recorded. And I think that apparently, from what I heard in this, uh, in this clip, was the referees don't want their responses recorded. Well, that it depends on, it depends on the level. I think, I think for hockey, it would be useful. Um, You know, you when you're watching a um, a Scotland rugby game, you get to hear everything the refs say. You know, you can hear them. Um, so I don't know if that's that's a, a level, an next level that hockey umpires need to think about with their decorum. Um, just watch what you're saying when you're umpiring. I don't think it's particularly professional to to swear at a player. Um, as the umpire, you should be the coolest person on the pitch, um, temperament-wise, because you need to be completely um unbiased and in control of your emotions to make the correct judgment at the time so i don't think it's like teaching it's not necessary to swear when you're doing it so i don't i don't see why you have to do it when you're umpiring. sure give them some sarcasm back and become famous for being narky but you know how how 
How do you think the the mic'd up umpires in hockey? How do you think that this this would interact with the video referrals and how we work that system? Uh, I'd I'd love video referrals. Sadly, we're we're only seeing that at the highest of the highest um, level. Well, no, we haven't even. They had you only get. No, am I right with this? You get one. You can keep on asking for a referral if you get it right. Yeah. But if you get your referral wrong, that's it. You can't ask any more types, uh, which is good because I think that stops time wasting. People will only put their hand up if they genuinely think there was a mistake. But yeah, because the ball's two miles an hour. Um, there's, you know, if it's behind one person's foot, How's, how's the umpire was possibly supposed to make a judgment if they're not quite sure? And they're only human as well. Um, so I think it would be a very, very useful tool. I think it would be great. I, I think also players can't ask for it in certain areas. You can't ask for a, to refer a sideline on the, on the halfway line, for example. You know, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that would be, be pointless anyway, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> It, 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 I think it's. I think it's sort of within attacking attacking spaces, and it it, it leads to something else important. Um, well, exactly. If it, if it's got the potential to either avoid a short corner or create a short corner or create a penalty flick, and then therefore create a goal, could be worth it. Um, but, but the question was specifically, um, how important from uh, as as. As, a, as part of the spectacle on television at that high level, how important do you think having that referral system on the TV for the, for the armchair fan with the mic'd up umpire at the same time? Oh, be good. Be great fun. It'd add a bit of drama while you're waiting for the, for the response, you know, and, you, and it would also give the viewer an insight to the rules if they're not you know if they're not a player or they're just sort of watching it as a fan or whatever they might not be familiar with some of the tiny little nippy sort of rules or why they called that whistle or why they're asking for the referral so in that situation yes I think it would be very important a to have a mic'd up umpire but no I think it would be fab for viewers because it would add that we extra element of, uh, of drama and, and understanding so you, you think it's a, it would be educational? Yes, precisely. You know, I'm always about that. It would, I think it would be educational too, but I think it would be fun as well. I think it would be fun. And it would actually sort a few things out that sometimes are wrong. So all in all, I think it would be a great idea. Moving on to umpire education. Um, what has been your umpire education? Um, it's it's been on the job really. I don't actually have um, any formal ed- umpiring education um, apart from doing my my coaching courses because I, I didn't want to go down that road myself. I enjoy doing uh, the youth things. Um, I've I've done some East District youth things, um, but again because I I work mainly with um, the youth division of things. Um, my umpiring would be very difficult um, to sort of transform into the type required for high level umpiring because I'm always giving advantages and things or having to educate the players while they're on the pitch. It's a very different style um, 
to what the the higher level ones would do and i just don't think i could sort of switch switch from one one or the other when i'm going in, in a different direction i didn't i didn't ever fancy being the umpire so let, 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 let's let's explain this in a bit more detail and perhaps give, give an, an example so the levels you're talking about are you talking about the stuff that happens down at um megatland in edinburgh um yeah i've done a bit of that i've done a bit of peffer mill um but that, that's as far as i'd like to take it so this is this is sort of the the local quasi-friendly youth ah oh, no i wouldn't do the, the adult ones yeah the, the youth stuff yeah i've done i've done that for years and i do school umpiring as well yeah so this is this is, that is very much the youth development leagues where it's more about getting the kids playing and understanding why things are happening is that correct yeah exactly exactly um so how important do you think an umpire is in those situations um to help the the the, the players growth and understanding of the game well it is a whole cycle of of umpires as well they have a, a performance pathway as a player would have so it's, it is important to get more people involved in it, whether they want to do it once a week or once a month or three games on a Saturday if they really wish to. Um, and that needs to start off with we baby you umpires umpiring the little five-year-olds and then you can start youth coaches that they may want to go and do their badge. They go and do their badge. I mean, there's some fantastic opportunities for umpires. Um, let's say you played to quite a high standard, but you knew you were at your limit and you weren't going to get, get your thistle on your chest. Could you possibly be an umpire and go abroad and go, go to Holland and do all these fantastic things and potentially the Olympics, you know, without actually being a player? These, these opportunities, and um, Scotland's actually got a very, very good, we seem to be quite placid, fair, known for being quite placid and fair. Um, so I, I know, I know, um, I worked with Sarah Wilson at one school. She's moved on now. Um, she went to the Olympics as an umpire. She was a great player, but I think she had an accident with her, her leg or something like that. I could be wrong. Um, but something meant she couldn't continue as a player. She decided to be an umpire and she gets to go all over the world and do these fantastic, fantastic events. So, you know, there's, that is the other side of it. You don't have to be a player to be involved in these brilliant international sporting events. Yes, yeah, and, and the youth stuff that you, that you were talking about a minute ago. Um, I know Nathan Ferris, who is one of the other people who's, who's on, this, on this podcast series, I know that he started out at events like this um, down at Megaland in Edinburgh, helping out with the under 12s and under 14s and so yeah. on. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. It's a good way to, to, get, to get into it and um, see if you've got a feel for it and if you like it before you get into the adult stages. Absolutely. So in terms of helping people along, helping these umpires to progress and develop and to even just start out, how do you think the national governing body or the local clubs, how do you think that these people can help out? Well, they, they do have a, a, a good system in place. Each, each club will have an umpire's manager uh, and coaching development officers and things like that. 
Um, so it's really just putting yourself forward and saying, hey, can I have a shot at this? And I don't know of a single club that doesn't have anything in place to put them through the first you know, opportunities to practice that. Um, if, you, if you want to be involved, it's perfectly, perfectly possible. And then through your club, you get, and you get tested and do, do your badge. So you, you umpire a, a less important game with another umpire uh, watching you who's accredited and then you get your badge and off you go and you can do do your games at the weekend and get a wee bit of cash as well yeah that's that's a dream isn't it getting paid for hockey i know well it's good beer money for students yeah yeah i mean clubs clubs are crying out for them for they really are we don't we we're, we can manage at the moment, but it'd be much nicer to have more. And that's, that's within our development programme for next year, certainly. We've got, we've got a new plan um, set aside to get, get more, more of a pathway and get the youth in earlier and uh, try and get more adults involved as well. I've, I've, heard somewhere, I've heard somewhere that in Central Europe, so, so in Central Europe, they, they, they get older players, as soon as they move into the adult levels, uh, into the adult setup, they're, they're put onto uh, even within the amateur clubs. I think I think they're put onto onto umpiring courses that season. Right. Do you think that's something that do you think that's something that could work here? Um, I, I I'm not so sure that that would work here. Um, because well, in in the Europe ones, well, if even if it's the amateur. I mean, it would be a good idea for everybody to do one so they understand the rules because um, a lot of players, funnily enough, don't. Um, yeah, we've, we've thought about things like that. I don't think our clubs are ready for that yet. How, how so? Um, just, just the attitude from different members. We, we struggle to get volunteers to do enough things anyway. So our development plan, for instance, this year, we, we've set up a survey and found out and got a great response of more people wanting to be involved. But a lot of people don't want to umpire. Uh, a lot of people want to do, do the match tease after or they want to um, host a social for a charity or something like that. So we're, we're still working on that as a growing club. Um, yeah, I just don't think it would be practical because, yeah, I don't, well, I'm a, I don't want to be an umpire, so I wouldn't make anybody else be one. <laughs> I mean, I suppose this, this ties back into an earlier question of uh, the culture of umpiring in this country or the culture of viewing umpires. Do you think that's because people don't want to be shouted at by that, that, that one guy in every team? I, well, I think that may be part of it, but also I think you need to have a, a certain type of personality um, to want to be an umpire and to want, want that responsibility um, for making these decisions. Uh, you need to be a very strong, strong-headed person to be able also to be able to cope with um, either aggressive players or, or aggressive fans. You've got to be able to to hold it together um so not everybody is actually capable of being an umpire do you know what i mean so 
this ties into into an exception of what makes a good umpire um, and how that compares to a, what makes a good technical officer. Well, I think they share share a lot of the same qualities, to be honest, because um, we've all got to be completely unbiased. We've all got to work together, and it's all about um, making sure the game goes ahead as well as it possibly can. Um, but the at the end of the day, it's the, the TO's decision and, and the umpire's decisions um, for, for all sorts of things, which basically, if you're... If you're an umpire or a TO as well, you need a huge amount of um, intelligent and concentration. Uh, you might be doing three games in a day. The players aren't doing three games in a day. And it can be very easy to start watching the game instead of watching what you're supposed to be watching. So I really, yeah, it's, it's a tough job, but it's interesting. I've sort of gone offline here. Um, but yeah, they need the same qualities, essentially. Very similar qualities. Okay, so in terms of in terms of your own career, what are your your ambitions? Uh, well, my next step, as I mentioned um, very early on, I've only um, or was this when I was just speaking to you beforehand? Um, I started my career as a technical official uh, just last February. Um, so far, I've done some cool stuff. I've done the um, Scottish Inter-District Indoor Finals um, in Perth. That was the under-18 boys. That was that was a really exciting tournament. Um, I did the National Schools Cup Finals in Glasgow, which was to an absolutely full house, which was rare through there. It was brilliant. Um, I've done the National Club Finals at Pepper Mill, and that was 17 games in like three days. They were shorter. I think that was still used up. And then... Um, I've also done, this was fun, I did the Great British Elite Development Programme series oh, yeah. about a year ago, last, last year in April in Glasgow. That was wicked because I had a, a couple of friends playing as well. So that, that, was, that was very cool. And then I've done yeah. quite a few East, East District finals in, at Pepper Mill and stuff. Give us some stories about the uh, Elite Development Programme, the EDP. Uh, that, that was just awesome because... Um, I felt proud to be working such such an important game, and it was my first sort of not adult game. I haven't done a full blown international yet, um, but it was a high level of hockey. So you had Scotland and and the other the other sort of home nations versus Great Britain, um, and yeah, I just felt very very proud to see that little. What game is it at the top of my sheet? That's a Great Britain rather than just. Scotland or Wales or something under 16 and it was yeah it was just a very cool moment very cool moment there's quite a few of the Scottish full internationals in that EDP program program isn't there yeah I think so um I think it's two or three think Emily Dark is she in there she's quite a good player she's a very good player uh, I couldn't tell you I'm I'm not not party to who gets gets put in or not and uh I'm generally, I don't know, I've got no excuse at the minute, but I don't, I don't know if it's listed anywhere or not, but yeah. Also, you, you mentioned the Scottish Schools Cup final. You, you were officiating in yeah, that. that Funnily funnily enough, uh, Paul Elliott, who's the communications manager at Scottish Hockey, yeah. he was saying that that is one of his favourite events of the year as well, because it's just, it's just a wall uh, of noise and it's full. Yeah. It's hyped. Well, that one particularly as well was great for me uh, because 
there was both sides in the final that that I I were uh, sort of quite close to. Um, so I work at one very large school. I work at Stuart's Melbourne, Mary Erskins, um, and Stuart's were on one side. And then I coached not at Watson School but at Watsonians Club for five years. And the lads that I brought through as as youths were in were on the other side and. Finals. So I was sat in the box watching my two favourite schools go at it against each other. That I, that I was familiar with the the boys playing, and it had purple on one side and uh, red on the other side, and just the noise was phenomenal. And it was so because kids get really into it, and it meant so much to them. It was just so much fun. It was brilliant. Quietly, just as a, as a side note. Which school gives the best bribes? Bribes? <laughs> Not, none of them give bribes. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We'll take your word for it. Well, I've never been offered any anyway. <laughs> Susie, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me again. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. <laughs>